The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Uh, We are coming to you a couple days after uh, Memphis ekes out a 10-7 win at Navy to improve to 6-2 on the year. The Tigers' first ever win in Annapolis over Navy. They also clinched a uh, winning season with six wins um, for the seventh straight year. That has never been done in program history, Evan. Um, so it wasn't a, it was not the prettiest win of the year. It was the best defensive game of the year, probably the worst offensive game in a couple years. Um, but it was a win in Navy a win that keeps Memphis's uh, American athletic conference championship game hopes alive. Um, So what was your uh, Evan, what was your takeaway as you came away from 10, seven? Are you more, were you more impressed by how well the defense played against the triple option or you more discouraged that uh, the offense only scored 10 points again and couldn't run the ball against a bad run defense? I think I'll start giving props to the defense because we knew going in that Navy's option this year was, was, was not good. They started a quarterback in the second game. They couldn't run the ball. So I thought I was impressed how Memphis did its job. Um, Yes. Navy had a couple of 20 yard runs, but I thought the defense, like you said, best game of the season. And really, they've really steadily improved, Mm -hmm. you know, since the Cincinnati game, they've been getting better. Um, They've gotten stops in the need to, and I thought this game, they really just kind of, save Memphis's butt, if you will. Um, so I thought that was my biggest takeaway is that the defense, we've talked about what's getting better with this group. And I think the defense is showing that at least the front line is getting better each game. That said, I was bored stiff by the offense. I, I think I was disappointed because yes, the run game, we kind of figured by now it is what it is at this point. I was disappointed that Memphis really couldn't move the ball downfield. I mean, yes, they got, in Navy territory a couple times, but they got nothing out of it. Um, I, I like that, 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 the thing that was the, the part about the offense that was, I think the worst part of it was in that first half, when they got the ball in Navy territory, two possessions in a row. And then I think got it at their own 46 on a third possession. This was over the course, the end of the first quarter and the second quarter. And all they got was a field goal attempt that Riley Patterson missed out of that, that field position. Um, they just couldn't move the ball. Um, they were going three and outs quite a bit. And um, as Ryan Silverfield said, and he's, I mean, he's right. If you, it's a momentum based offense in a lot of ways where because they like to, you know, they don't huddle um, it, pick, you know, they need to get a rhythm. And if they're, if they're not, they're not uh, if they're not having successful like first and second downs, like they had a lot of long third downs in that game against Navy. And um, so it was interesting, but I I will say the defense, you know, the front seven has been like, 
the secondary was the issue when they were really bad. Like the, the front seven wasn't great, but they weren't the problem necessarily. And this game played right into Memphis's strengths in that, you know, Navy just really, you know, they had that one quarterback who could kind of throw it, but he wasn't like a downfield throwing threat really. And so you had, um, you had this front seven where you have this, this emerging defensive line with, you know, you have O'Brien Goodson and Joseph Dorsey as guys who have done it, been there, done it. And then Morris Joseph seems to be emerging as probably the, the, you know, as effective as those two, to be quite honest. Um, and then your linebacking core, Cole Mashburn is like, he's the right size for a linebacker. Like sometimes Memphis is undersized at some of these positions, like even O'Brien Goodson and Joseph Dorsey's great players, but they're undersized. Like Cole Mashburn has the right size for his position. And he, so he's a really intriguing player on the edge. Um, they got Jaleel Clemens is pretty good. Um, and then in this game, it allowed the safeties like Sanchez Blake and, Quindell Johnson could play to their strengths. Their strengths are playing downhill. Um, and like, you know, like they're not, you know, they're fine. They're, you know, I guess they, they're good. They're good enough in pass coverage, I guess. But like, you know, we've seen this team struggle to stop the pass, but it felt like this game really played to the defense's strengths and they executed the game plan. Great. I mean, they really, you know, this was a, not a great Navy offense and they made them look not great. So it was, it was, uh, it was impressive what they did. And, you know, if it, what's a shame is like, if they, they don't even need to play that well, if the offense got back into what it was doing, you know, a month or two ago, um, you'd have a, you'd have, you know, you'd be, you'd feel a lot better, but the offense is really sputtering. Um, it's just, there's no getting around it right now. Yeah. And, and it's funny because we, we, I didn't even think about the fact that I almost forgot that Drake Clark didn't play, you know, due to an injury because it didn't, Mm -hmm. nothing really changed. The the offense still looked, the run game still looked terrible at times. Yeah. Um, I think they, I don't know. They're not pushing the ball downfield at all as much. Um, You know, I don't think Brady, clearly the chemistry with the receivers isn't quite the same, but I thought it was just weird. For instance, you know, I'm not saying they didn't try to go to Calvin Austin, but Calvin Austin had that touchdown catch in the first quarter and then didn't have another catch the rest of the game. And that was strange. I, you know, like you just feel like, you know, that he's one of those guys, you just got to get him touches, you know, like you just figure out ways to get him touches. Um, and they didn't do that in this game for whatever reason. Um, and it seems odd, especially with Drew Clark out, you would think that would mean maybe I will go to Calvin Moore in this game. Um, and it just reminded didn't me happen. You just reminded me of something like, I know, you know, this offense is so used to like jet sweeps and all that stuff. You would think that maybe throw, throw Calvin Austin in a couple of sweeps and just kind of let him run in space and see what he can do more. Um, I, well, I, you look, it's, here's the bottom line. I don't, you know, I'm, we're no football X's and O's experts. Like I, 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 that's one of my pet peeves about, you know, like we can criticize Kevin Johns, like, Oh, the play calling, but no one actually has like an actual, like, Here's what I would do besides me, you know, someone going like, like we were saying, like, oh, I wish they'd throw the ball downfield more. Like there's a lot more to it right. than that. But right. here's what I would just say. The difference between the past couple years and this year, it seems like Mike Norvell's offense 
was a lot better at creating mismatches in whatever form it was. And now maybe that was part, partly because you had Tony Pollard and, and Daryl Henderson and, you know, Patrick Taylor and Kenny Gainwell and Anthony Mill, all these like NFL skill position players. But and, and at the same time, like, I feel like, you know, Calvin Austin, Taj Washington, um, there, there's enough in, you know, Sean Dykes, there are enough weapons that they should, there should not be games like yesterday or excuse me, like this past week, they, they should be there. And so that is a little troublesome, I guess, is that it's not like they're, you know, maybe it's not as experienced and it's not as in sync, but, and, and, I don't know if you, they shouldn't be putting up 10 points. And so hopefully they can get it figured out. Cause they're, I think to win these last two, they're going to, they, they're not going to win the next two scoring 10 points against Tulane. And then against Houston, I just don't see that happening. No, it's one thing to score 10 points against Cincinnati, but another thing to score 10 points against Navy is a little bit troubling. And I think Tulane, they have to come out with some kind of, you know, maybe not firepower, but the offense has to look better at least. And I think looking at the matchup, well, it's like Silverfield said it yesterday. The O-line has been better pass blocking than run blocking. And, you know, maybe it's time, you know, and you've got Taj Washington and Calvin Austin. Maybe it's time to, like, rather than some of these first down runs, maybe you know, run some plays of some, whether it's wide receiver screens, quick throws, whatever, to replace those runs, but high percentage passes out to Washington and Austin more often just to, you know, just because those guys appear to be your two best playmakers. Um, you know, they say this is an offense for playmakers, and and they've done it at times this year, but it just hasn't been lately as much. You know, like ultimately, you go back, the Stephen F. Austin game, they kind of were, you know, they were fine, but they, you know, they weren't like some well-oiled machine, and it was a one-score game at, at the end of the third quarter. Um and um, the South Florida game, their best offense was when they ran the two-minute drill at the end of the game and right. came back and won. Um, Temple, I guess they, they they were okay, but it feels like it's been just on a downward downward trend, a downward par- parabola, if you will, uh, ever since the UCF game. That 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 was the peak, and it hasn't been the same since. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's been very interesting to me that, you know, and I even thought about it this week, like maybe for Tulane, your your game plan is, hey, we have to lean more on Brady White's arm because honestly, the run game, you're forced, you're, you know, you're facing third and long because you're running the ball twice and you're not getting So maybe you have to because let's be honest, the best way they can win these games now is you have to win almost with Brady White's arm. And as we've discussed before, it could be hit or miss, but we've seen Brady White at least do that. So that, that makes it interesting for the Tulane game, I think. Like, how do you think Memphis can deal with the front line for Tulane that's second in sacks nationally? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be very, very interesting how, you know, because how, how they handle that because, you know, Brady obviously, like most quarterbacks, is better when he's not under duress. Like, he moves a little better this year than he has in previous years, but ultimately, you know – he's not a guy who's so gifted that he can, you know, of, ev- you know, evade a, a pass rush um, consistently. Um, and so it'll be, and he doesn't have the arm strength to like, you know, I like 
some one of my pet peeves with Brady this year is I feel like too often he's not throwing from his set it from a set position. Feels like he's throwing off his off one foot quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he already doesn't have great arm strength. So I feel like, you know, and at the same time, they're just not pushing the ball down the field as much. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting against Tulane because Tulane's, you know, they're pretty good. I mean, I know they lost to Navy early in the year, but they're a team that's played pretty well um, this year, all yeah. in all. I, I, I just looked this up. Like they were in a dogfight with SMU. Like you mentioned, they were up big on Navy and lost. They were beating Tulsa pretty handily until the fourth quarter where Tulsa has been just lights out this season. So they could easily have eight wins this year as well. So yeah, they beat army, a, a good army team beat, you know, they've won three of their last four and should have beaten Tulsa. Like you said, yeah, um, beaten Tulsa should have beaten Navy. They and gained the rest 522 of yards and threw for 343 yards in that Tulsa game. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they've been, you know, they, they, their past two games, they ran for 270 yards and beat Army and then threw for 343 yards and should have beaten Tulsa. That's their last two games. So, um, pretty good team coming uh, that that Memphis is going to have to beat on the road. Um, the scenario is pretty straightforward at this point. Um, if you're, if you're someone who's interested in Memphis potentially going back to the AAC championship game, Memphis has to win its last two games against Tulane this week and then Houston next week on December 12th. Um, and Tulsa would have to lose its last two and they play Navy this weekend and then Cincinnati. So uh, everyone, every, every Memphis fan is an, also a Navy fan this week. Uh, you want them to beat Tulsa. Yeah. And uh, see that game's at two 30. So right after Memphis and Tulane go at it, you can slip over, watch Tulsa Navy, keep an eye on that. Um, again, if Tulsa wins, it's all over basically, but you hope yeah. Navy can uh, be in Memphis's favor this week. Yeah, no, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see what 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 are you expecting th- this week out of Memphis? I mean, like what? It, I'll be interested to see a couple things with the offense. One, you know, what are they? What happens in the running game? Is Dreek Clark healthy? Do we see more Asa Martin? I've been intrigued every time he's been out there. Um, I feel like I'd like to see him get more touches. I don't know. What do you, th- that, that that's an interesting part to me. And then, yeah, like you said, the, the O-line, which has struggled to run block faces probably, you know, faces a tough test on the, against this Tulane D-line. Um, so I, I, I'm curious how you see this, how you see this matchup going just in general, Memphis Tulane. Do you feel like if, I, I don't know, what, what do the Tigers need to do to win? I- I think it's funny you said Asa Martin because I think if the Stephen F. Austin game was a boost from Arquavius Weaver getting the start on Saturday, I think Asa Martin should probably get some more looks and some touches because he was the he had the I think one of the longest plays from scrimmage where he had that 43 yard catch and run that set up Calvin Austin's touchdown. So I'd like to see you know maybe him get mixed in if three can't go, um, but even if three can go, just Ryan Silverfield said they're basically running back by committee right now, which means somebody's got to get going, but. I kind of want to see um, I want to see Sean Dykes, you know, keep having a big role. Like I think he played well against Navy. Um, he's had some 
inconsistencies this season where some games he looks like a great downfield threat. Other games he's focused more on his blocking. But I'd like to see him have a bigger role in this game just because, as you mentioned, we mentioned Austin and Washington as the receivers. But really, Sean Dice is like their third receiver, basically. But he's also got a block. So I'd like to see him get more involved. Um, I think the defense will be fine because Tulane starts a freshman quarterback. And we know that their OC, Will Hall, is a name familiar to Memphis fans. He was a tight ends coach two years ago. He's a great offensive mind. I'd like to see the defense kind of keep the momentum going and make this two-lane quarterback have to work a little bit, not give up a lot of big plays. But honestly, I, this this game has kind of worried me, at least on the schedule when we looked at it, just because I was there two years ago. We saw how bad Memphis looked against the two-lane team that they were 14-point favorites against. Look, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to move the ball and score. Tulane's averaging over 35 points a game this year. Um, they're they're top 25 scoring offense. Um, they throw the ball. They can throw the ball. Um, it's it's a you know it's a little inconsistent. That's why they're four and four. But in certain game, what's that? Five and five and five. Five and five. Excuse me. Um, that's why they're 500. But they can throw the ball. Um, and they have re- run the ball like they, they they've done things well and they've done them against some good teams. And so um, Memphis is going to have to play a lot better. I think they're going to have to play. They can't just play one one side of the ball, um, you know, because I think the defense I think you're going to have to score at least 30 points to win this. Uh, you can't you're yeah. not going to you're not going to be able to get away with 10 points. So very interesting matchup. I, I just say this, too. Like, it's just great that, you know, this season that's. You know, weird is all get out. Um, it's <laughs> kind of cool, I guess. Like, what more did you really expect or want, you know, given the circumstances, than there's two games left in the regular season and Memphis has a chance still to make the AAC championship game. They're going to play meaningful December football for the uh, fourth year in a row. Like, yeah, that's it's you know, yeah. and, you know, like – Meaning for meaningful regular season football, let alone go into a bowl game. And we'll, we'll see about all that, but like, you know, that's pretty good. You know, I know it hasn't looked as pretty as uh, previous years, but six and two is six and two. Yeah. And I think, you know, with everything that's been, you know, happened this year, guys opting out, you know, the schedule being rearranged, the COVID outbreak in September, this team still has a chance to, you know, they're six and two right now. They have the chance to, get seven, eight wins, which would be pretty good for a first-year head coach. So I think <laughs> we're basically picking apart a team that's still a pretty decent college football team. So it's kind of a funny way to look at it. But, yeah, I think when all – Great. It's great. Like, hey, this is, with everything going on with the pandemic and all everything, it's kind of you – know, this is what – it's fun to nit, be nitpicking a college football team. It's a nice change of pace. I mean, it could be worse. You could be looking at a team like, say, Vanderbilt or Tennessee that's struggling right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, there will be a new backup quarterback for this week's game. Uh, Keelan Brown is going to be the number two quarterback on the depth chart behind Brady White. Uh, I guess, I believe, Evan, you can maybe explain this uh, in more detail, but Connor Adair is no longer with the program. Yes, so we asked uh, – so we, Monday woke up. Connor Adair is no longer on the roster. Um, did some digging, did some checking. Uh, Ryan Silverfield mentioned at the press this conference. This had been rumored for a little bit too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. There had been speculation that he was, he was opting out. Um, I couldn't confirm it, but then 
at the press conference, I asked Ryan Tillfield, what's his status? He said, you know, so to his team policy, he wouldn't discuss anyone who's opted out unless he's um, they've confirmed it themselves. But if you're not on the roster, you're not on the team. So as of right now, Connor Adair, who has been the backup to Brady White the last two years, no longer with the Tigers this season. So, so now, we don't know if this is a transfer or an opt out yet. We don't know yet. We don't know. We know that for now, he is, as of now, no longer with the team this season. And I'm clear to say that. My guess is it's probably more likely a transfer at this point. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's... You've got Keelan Brown. You've got Peter Parrish. um, You've got... Peter Parrish is not eligible this season, remember. No, I know, but, like, for the future. Like, I'm thinking of Connor. You know, there's only two games left. Um, Like... And it, chances are Connor Dare, you know, I mean, it, it does stink in terms of, you know, if he was the number two, um, if Brady were to get injured in one of these two games, like, I, I don't know, I maybe. Oh, that's, that's my big concern is now you basically are saying, hey, Brady better stay healthy. This O-line that's good in pass protection. Keep doing your job. Because if he gets hit, you're yeah. down to a freshman quarterback, a true freshman quarterback and a sophomore red shirt. Sophomore quarterback and Drake Day, who hasn't played in two years and was kind yeah. of late to the roster. So, I mean, long term, it's not really an issue. Like, let's be, let's no. just be, you know, Connor seems like was a great teammate and, um, you know, was the backup for a couple of years now. But um, long term, I don't know if anyone foresaw him being the starter. So, it's probably best for him to go somewhere else so he can go play somewhere um you know whether it's a lower level or whatever like we've seen it with a couple former you know whether it was David Moore going to Central Michigan or Brady Davis at Illinois State I think right um who's that Brady McBride now at Texas State yeah that's right Brady McBride at Texas State so um yeah I mean check this out here's a fun fact no, um, there are no more quarterbacks who were well, except for Brady White, but all the backups to him in 2018 when he got here, all gone. Gotcha. Crazy. Yeah, it's been it's you know, I think this is going to be a very turnover heavy offseason, not just at Memphis, but around the country. Um, the pandemic combined with the likelihood that this tra- one year transfer waiver, one time transfer waiver, excuse me is going to become a reality. Uh, I I think you're going to see a lot of movement, like, you know, 25% of rosters turning over type of thing. We're seeing seeing it already this week. I think we saw quite a few Power 5 guys who are transferring out. So Ryan Silverfield told us last week, and he told us again today or on Monday that, you know, the next 10 days he believes are going to see a lot more turnover. So that gives Memphis fans reason not to worry because it's happening here. It's happening all over. So – well, it's reason to worry. It's just not something that's unique to, yes. to Memphis. Like you just yeah. got to hope, you know, the guys you're losing aren't, you know, really good. And the guys you're going to gain because of this market are, you know, turn into success stories. Um, so it'll be, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a different time in college, in college athletics, particularly college basketball and college football um, just because, for a year or two here, it's going to feel a little bit like free agency. Uh, I think because all these guys are going to have the chance to transfer and you're having a lot of people pick schools right now who haven't visited the school because of the pandemic, you know, all these kids who are, who are committing right now, 
there's they you can't do recruiting visits right now like they're you know it's yeah so you're be- like you really think there's gonna be like uh perfect decisions made a uh, college decisions made in these circumstances I, I find that hard to believe sometimes some will some won't um but it's gonna be uh be interesting but yeah still a lot lot to look forward to even this season so two big games for memphis Tulane this saturday 11 a.m it's on espn plus um so get your subscription if you haven't gotten it already uh, my gut tells me basketball games are going to be on espn plus too this year um and then uh houston to close the year and we'll see maybe we'll be talking about uh an aac championship bid on the line going into the season finale regular season finale if memphis can beat Tulsa, uh Tulane and tulsa loses to navy we'll we shall see um we will have tons of coverage on commercialpeel.com of Saturday's on commercialpeel.com of Saturday's game. Um, till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.